Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, editor of Australian Brews News, and thanks to your malt mates at Cryo Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation. Beer is a Conversation is our weekly sit-down with some of the people who make the beer industry the interesting and dynamic industry it is. And through these conversations, we dig a little deeper into the stories behind the businesses of beer and brewing. This week, I chat with Mike Benny, a drinks writer and one of the founders of the Drink Easy Awards. Now, the drinks industry is an exciting and attractive industry on the move, and we receive a lot of media releases about new initiatives that the promoters say will reshape, promote, or boost the industry. Maybe we're cynical, but having seen so many come and go, we're a little sceptical at times. So it was with the media release announcing the Drink Easy Awards. It promised a new sort of awards where beers would be judged not against style, but an egalitarian awards aimed at elevating collections of drinks that represent not only the notion of high quality, but the development and creativity found within their community. Coupled with that, the vibe of the thing approach was the fact that the awards were being sponsored by a lifestyle media publication. And my experience in these cases is that awards produced by media often tend to be more about promoting the publication, more so than the product normally being celebrated. So I put the release in the wait and see pile. Then I received an email from Wildflowers Topher Balm that started, I was wondering if the Drink Easy Awards had come across your plate yet. If it hasn't, read on. But if it has and you pass it up as just another Drinks Awards, I'm writing to you now to highlight that it's not. He said, I won't do this justice, but basically the awards were set up out of frustration from the strict line style-driven competitions that seem to be ubiquitous across beer, wine and spirits. The judging for these things are done in a way that no longer reflects how we drink. Topher said that from the producer point of view, the traditional awards leave little place for us to enter our beers which are not brewed to style. He said that in the past and on numerous occasions, His beers had been knocked out of trophies because of the technicality that they should have been entered in a different category or similar. Furthermore, he said, these awards seem to happen in a vacuum without much marketing facing the people power behind the awards themselves and instead announced via expensive dinners and a PDF uploaded to an obscure site. While on one hand, that could be read as a producer opting to push for awards that will be kinder to their own approach... On another, I have great respect for Topher's creativity and approach and decided that in light of that, I would have a chat with Mike to find out a little bit more about the awards and their philosophy. And this is that chat. And be sure to let us know your thoughts as well. Mike Benny, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks so much for having me today. Mate, we're here to talk a little bit about an interesting new beer awards. But before we do that, one of the standard questions we ask uh, some of our first-time guests is, who is Mike Benny? Well, yes, indeed. Look, um, I'm the ultimate slashy, you know, the slash this, slash that kind of um, career person because... Uh, my background is as a news and current affairs journalist, uh, but I was also a lawyer at one point, although that was short-lived. I'll say at least you made it uh, to being a lawyer. I did six years of uh, legal studies before <laughs> and, and never actually finished. Well, I like to say it drove me to drink and then into my current career, so at least there was some use for that uh, six years of study that I had as well. 
we we should take that on the road. I like to I like to tell people that uh, my mother still gets to uh, tell her friends that I went to the bar. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that sounds apt. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, so my my background was as a, a fine wine merchant. Uh, you know, effective for for this current career guys. Uh, but in the last sort of 15 years, I've uh, focused on being a freelance wine and drinks journalist. Uh, I've also been the co-founder and co-director of what some people call Seismic in terms of the festival landscape, and that is Rootstock Sydney, which um, focused on the conversations around sustainability and food and drinks. Um, I'm the co-founder and co-director of P&V Wine and Liquor Merchants in Newtown, Sydney, uh, and I present at events uh, around the world in wine and drinks in various capacities, both kind of consumer and then trade. And just to kind of round out all of this conversation, because I believe in vocational experience as a journalist, uh, I've been making wine since 2005 informally and then sort of more formally since 2010 uh, and even have tried my hand at brewing beer uh, with Wildflower Brewery in Sydney's Inner West. What so a great place kind of, to, uh, to to learn how to brew. Well, that's right. I mean, I did do some uh, half days actually at Cantillon Brewery where I sort of muscled my way in during brewing season to uh, gain a little bit of vocational experience there. And, and then when Topher opened Wildflower Brewery, I threatened him with, I will own a corner of this brewery. Not meaning that I'd physically own it, but as in like I would occupy space there uh, and so when I managed to procure two Fudra barrels from Tyrrell's winery and said to Topher, well, look, you know, now is the time, one for you, one for me. Can I have that corner? Um, by that time, I'd snook at him and he said yes. So <laughs> that was kind of um, destiny playing its hand. And then I managed to, you know, kind of um, work on him to let me open, well, let us together open ferment and wild ferment um, beer in his brewery. Um, of course, he's been, you know, working very steadfastly with his uh, wild yeast cultures. But this was the first time in his brewery that it was a, you know, completely open wild ferment inside the brewery. So, and then straight into the food barrel. So it's kind of an exciting thing. And, and I guess in the context of this conversation, uh, lends a little bit of weight for what you would say is not somebody completely invested in the beer industry at present. Yeah, we are talking about the Drink Easy Awards, um, which you know everybody who is in the beer industry knows. The Australian International Beer Awards, every state has a has an awards. We've now got the Indies. Um, you know, there's the hottest 100. There's no shortage of accolades. Last week we saw the drinks industry had some form of awards. I don't quite understand what they celebrate, but there's no shortage of accolades for the industry. But your awards are billing themselves as being a little bit different. Maybe you can sort of uh, tell us how they came about, I guess, as the first. Yeah, look, that's exactly right. So the trajectory of my career sort of led me into the creation of the Drink Easy Awards. And that's the next little chapter of my um, unusually diverse and sort of, in some respects, bizarre career scope. But I had spent about 10 years in the wine show system judging as a judge at various and diverse wine shows, both locally and overseas, uh, and then also been asked to judge the beer show, the Royal Sydney Beer Show as well, um, and have done spirit shows. So I began to kind of create a picture in my mind of what those all looked like from a kind of traditional perspective, and probably about halfway through the wine show judging tenure that 
I occupied over that decade, began to sort of start to think about better practice. I just didn't feel like I could sit idly and do particularly the wine show judging that I felt needed some modernization without making comment. Um, and then I guess in terms of the context of beer, I recall so vividly judging to style guides at the Royal Sydney Beer Show and finding a brilliant beer that was compelling, detailed, complex, wonderfully drinkable and fascinating in a class and giving it a gold medal score and having the rest of the panel give it close to zero and, and then having the discussion about, well, it doesn't fit the style guide and, and me saying, well, what about the poor brewer who's invested intellect, time and energy in this beer to only have it knocked back because it doesn't fit style guide, not because it's actually faulty uh, and realising that there are elements inside the beer show judging system that probably also need reform too. So I'd been judging what was called the Adelaide Review Hot 100, which had a bit more of a, uh, let's say, um, creative approach to judging that um, looked for deliciousness and drinkability in wine and then rewarded a top 100 and a top 10 rather than gold, silver, bronze medals and the like uh, and didn't have a punitive judging system but had actually one where you built up uh, accolade in a wine product and sort of uh, you know, isolated it for being really good. And I started to think about what wine, beer and spirit shows could look like. And so this is probably about three or four years ago. I wrote out a rough five-point plan that described things like better and more diverse judges, including the involvement of more gatekeepers rather than just purely technocratic judges, um, writing about uh, judging that gave away the traditional medal system and scoring system in lieu of top 10 lists that consumers find more digestible, which then led me into thinking that most shows and judging arenas don't give full feedback to their clients, that is the people who pay money to be involved in the show system. And I felt that was wrong, that you know you can get a 15 out of 20 and just miss out on a bronze medal. And when it came time to the exhibitor tasting and you tried to explain that to a, a winemaker, a brewer or a distiller, that you didn't really have any good reasoning for that and nor did you have a full or coherent note to give back to them as part of their investment, their payment of entering that show. And so I thought, well, we can do better with that as well. And then I thought about the end results as well and, and, and that, you know, these A4 sheets of paper written out in classes that are consuming, that are confusing for consumers could be better done too, that we're all professionals. We can write a note because that's what we do and we're note-taking for our various businesses. And then we can present that as something that's more permanent. And so I thought about online resource for results. So once I kind of got to those four things, the fifth thing was, well, you know, actually tying in cultural programs that are relevant around the judging arena. And by that, I mean, not just investing in the kind of mechanics of a judging process, but actually education and cultural touchstones for judges who are judging to sort of, you know, enhance their own experience while they're going through the judging process. And so with that all in mind, uh, I've had two colleagues who I was talking to, and that is Tamara Petrozelli, who had been the former director of the Adelaide Review Hot 100 wine show um, and a you know, very creative thinker, and Duncan Velgamod, who was a chef. And I'm, most people are like, well, why don't you have a chef involved? But it was very much about his um, cultural allegiances that I was wanting to tap into. This is farmers, um, chefs, the restaurant and hospitality industry. Uh, and then beyond that, he was very incisive in bringing the Drink Easy Awards to the table for broadsheet media who are 
not just the sponsor, let's say, by naming rights of the awards, but also the final resource for all the results. So this is where the permanent home of all the results will go. And by virtue of the 2 million eyeballs that look at that publication per month, plus also all their collateral, it felt like a very potent thing for those that enter to have an award that would be permanently resourced online and with information that was digestible for that consumer base so that results were really relevant to a much broader audience. It all sounds pretty complicated, but that's the Drink Easy Awards in essence. This episode of Beer is a Conversation is brought to you by Unleashed Software. Unleashed is more than inventory management software for brewers. It's a system that runs your whole business operations and gives you an unfair advantage. With Unleashed, you can create custom recipes, effortlessly track your cereal and batch numbers, and understand your stock levels at all times at every location. Learn how Unleashed can help you run and grow your brewery at unleashedsoftware.com forward slash brew. I guess one of the things that I thought of when I saw the Drink Easy Awards is that I constantly hear from wine judges, well, we don't have style guides, you know, so it is very much about judging to the vibe of the thing. And so you can get, um, you know, people, you get certain influences uh, or certain trends coming through where the judges are influenced by that trend. And if you're outside of the trend, uh, your wine misses out. Um, which can be a fairly short-term thing. Is that a fair call? That's a very, very incisive call. I mean, this is the issue is that, uh, particularly with my experience in the wine show arena, there was a lot of clique thinking about wine styles. And a very easy way to describe that is the kind of seismic shift in the way that, say, Chardonnay was judged uh, a decade ago versus, say, from this year through to the past five years in which fuller-flavoured styles have been eschewed for the lean, racy, skeletal sulphides and water, let's call them um, mineral-laden styles that are often, in some respects, fairly unexciting expressions of a grape variety that has a lot of potential to do a lot. Uh, And, you know, in some respects, the more traditional old-school styles of Chardonnay perhaps have become too overblown, but that there was such a focus on a considered style as the correct one um, began to become quite obvious to me and in some respects distressing because on a panel it's very hard to kind of convince people away from something that they all see uh, together and have a kind of group think around. Now I can't pinpoint that as the only thing, that's kind of an experience thing, but to address what you've just said as a statement, um, judges in wine show circumstances are often more punitive than they are celebrating the visceral experience in the glass. Um, they're looking for fault first. And by looking for fault first, they're denying some of the diversity that exists in the Australian wine market particularly. The irony of that is, is that by night, most wine judges are indulging in very lavish wine show dinners that involve reams and reams of old or marquee wines that often have, to a degree, some of that fault in them as inherent to their personality, but then by day decrying the very same fault. And I began to see a real juxtaposition between the celebration at night of these very fancy, highfalutin wines, and then this very punitive way of judging during the day. 
and began to see that, for me, this felt very incongruous to what we should be doing in the Australian wine market, and that is looking to more diversity and to the sort of celebration of spectrum of wines that are emerging uh, from the avant-garde sect who are reinterpreting the Australian landscape. That's interesting that you say that because I was going to um, bookend my early comment about wine with... uh, the, the, the brewing industry where you know brewers have a book of styles that they're they're yeah. brewing to and if you hit those those things bang on you should be getting a gold medal um, and you know if, if you have a faultless beer um, and, and, and the faults do tend to be faults um, and then you hit the style but conversely that actually creates a standardization of beer and it doesn't bring in those esoteric beers or the sort of uh, regional differences because everybody's brewing um, to a highly um, controlled style profile. Yeah, exactly. And look, this is something that I noticed in beer, beer show judging as well was exactly that. My experience was a sense of disappointment that the bandwidth was so narrow during the judging process. Uh, and I guess this, this bears relevance to Drink Easy because, of course, Drink Easy combines wine, beer, spirits, and non-alcoholic products. I believe that in a kind of really just simple and simplistic way, when you go to a barbecue and you walk in someone's front door and they hand you a cold beer and then you drink that, then the food comes out, you might have a glass of wine, then somebody feels like they've just invested an interesting bottle of gin and you have a kind of cool Australian-based botanical gin and tonic and then you move back to a beer after dinner and then you might want to kind of relax into something more interesting we might skip into another spiritus drink and before you know it you've consumed a whole bunch of different things and to keep those things all in isolation began to feel very unusual to me and why not celebrate just drinks in general but to address that style guide conversation as a layer in that conversation um, the categories for brewing now look very different for us we at Drink Easy, we, while taking advice um, from Liam Pereira, who is our chief judge and other people within the industry, look to reform the categories that we would be judging under. And so very simply have kind of tried to replicate what we've been doing in the wine category, and that is common language for consumers, the way that they would talk in terms of what they're ordering in bars or ordering in bottle shops. What do you like? I like a crispy ale. What do you like? I like a fruit-driven or a fruit beer. Um, you know, I like a hop-driven beer. Uh, I'm after sour or farm house or wild ferment beer. And so for, for us, it became about um, more common language surrounding consumer world rather than relying on what we work at in the trade. Because very much so, we think that the awards should be about giving drinkers a better choice and that the end results of all beer, wine, and spirit shows are now kind of missing the mark completely. If they're for internal benchmarks within the industry, then they've homogenized themselves almost to a fault. And if they're for consumers, well, consumers simply aren't getting the information and nor are there permanent resources for that information for consumers to reference year in, year out, so that they actually can have a guide. So in the end, what are the beer, wine, and spirit shows for? Well, you can argue they're for internal benchmarking for breweries distilleries and wineries but when you look at who's entering these awards it's often not with the full diversification of the industry nor is it with the diversification of style that is now occurring with a more avant-garde approach in all those three disciplines okay so talk us through the mechanics of the 
How are the awards done? Are they done by categories? If I've got a, if I'm a brewer with a beer, what am, what am I entering? How do I go about setting a, uh, you know, sending my entry in? Yeah, so the entries are done via an online system. Um, we have categorised classifications, uh, which start with crispy ale, then crispy lager, uh, dark and or malt driven, uh, ester driven, fruit or hybrid beer hop-driven of any colour, sour farmhouse or wild ferment, meads, and then we've actually had to create an entirely new category which is going to fall under beer, which is called other fermented alcoholic drinks, which encompasses a whole range of things that basically came out of the woodwork when we started going to market with this concept. Um, all sorts of things like wine beers, um, alcoholic kombuchas that are sort of brewed effectively and some sort of resemblance to some of the wild beer styles and similar sort of fall under that but it's very you know in, in a simplistic way uh brewers now have to kind of identify what beer they brewed and then commit to a category that sort of reads like as i said consumer-based language so if you're making something like say newtowner from young henry's um you know that kind of may fall under crispy ale or something similar crispy lager it's kind of you know it's, it's up to the brewers to sort of determine where they feel it fits under those style categories and then the actual judging mechanics won't be punishing people who have got that wrong. It's not about that. If the product is good, it will find its righteous home. It may be that there's been an accident about where that product's gone, but we're not interested in being punitive because of a mistake in classification. And this mirrors, as I said, very firmly what we're doing in the wine category. So uh, white wines are being judged in three strata, white wines that are light and refreshing, white wines that are medium-bodied and textural, white wines that are full-flavoured. So it really gives consumers a much better positioning for sort of where they drink and then locating a resource about the best examples that have been entered in Drink Easy that they can then engage with. So when a consumer goes in and sees a, you know, presumably they'll see uh, a medal on the um, shelf talker or the uh, or, or even the packaging itself, what does that tell them um, about, you know, does it tell them anything about quality or does it just tell them about the experience that they're going to have? Well, this is about best of lists. So this is really about, I guess, the way that people search for restaurants or for accommodation or similar. Uh, what we're going to do is create a permanent resource uh, on our own website that allows consumers to search via a matrix of results, which even goes down to state-based. So sort of, you could, you could even um, look at our website by the time we have all the data and it looks for best Victorian crispy ale. Um, and the idea is, is that consumers will interact with the results in a way that gives them readily digestible top 10 lists. There's not going to be a, a medal or a sticker on a bottle. This is going to be an online resource because we believe that most people are looking for results and looking for detail about beer, wine, spirits and non-alcoholic drinks by searching online. Uh, if you look at search engines and type in something like red wine, uh, people will be drawn towards... Uh, the content that Broadsheet will have created because of how their search engine optimization works and the power of their website as a resource. And then we'll be able to be linked back to our website if more details required. And every product uh, will have a tasting note because that's part of the Charter of Drink Easy Awards is to make sure that there's something coherent written about each and every product. Now, best of lists are simply that. It just means that if you're a consumer and want and, and love the category that is, say, 
hop-driven beers uh, and you're kind of ambidextrous with, say, XPAs or IPAs, you can go to the results and look under beer hop-driven styles and find a top 10 list. And that'll simply say, these are the best of the hop-driven beers that we tasted for the Drink Easy Awards that were submitted in 2019, and that'll become a permanent resource. So the following year, the listing under that category uh, will have the next set of results. And IPSO, we have a guide that's permanent online that gives you the zeitgeist of the time, but also progresses with each and every um, you know, year of submissions. We would like to thank Rallings Labels, Stickers and Packaging for sponsoring this edition of Beer is a Conversation. If you are looking for a more efficient way to package your small run, collaboration or special release beers, make sure you have your own conversation with the guys from Rallings Labels, Stickers and Packaging. They specialise in supplying ready-to-fill, shrink-sleeved cans or bottles to the craft beer industry. They take care of everything for you and take the pain out of packaging your special brews. If you would prefer a label or sticker on your cans or bottles, Rallings can help with this as well. Just give Paul or Brad a call on 1300 852 235 to discuss how they can help you. If you can't stop to write down that number right now, it's in the show notes with a link to their website. The issue that uh, always challenges me with all beer awards is, you know, when you make a wine, the grapes are harvested once a year, you make your vintage. Um, that vintage is judged, and so long as that vintage is out, there'll be you know some evolution in the bottle. But you are always drinking that same wine um, in in as it ages. With brewing, brewers uh, can technically be brewing every single day, um, and so the it's a little bit like standing in a river. You never stand in the same river twice because it's constantly flowing and evolving. Um, so, so I always wonder that when you cut the you know one slice of a brewer's production and judge that beer, you're never completely judging the that beer. Um, or, and, and the consumer's experience with it may be very different to the judging experiences, particularly if, um, as some brewers have done in the past, have have gamed the system and cuvee brewed specially yep. for an awards. Is that a flaw in in this model? Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree. Like, I'll be, I'll be plain in the honesty of the response here. Yeah, look, I mean, the fact that beer can be batch brewed for competition is an issue. Um, it's not a faultless system judging beer. What Drink Easy Awards is trying to do is trying to give people a better indication by not being so definitive with medal or score and giving top 10 best of lists so people can make judgment about products uh, and, of course, some things will be specialist products that are brewed once and potentially not even available at time of results. But at least it gives people an indication about culture of breweries and their motif in their brewing cycles. I think that it's very hard to pin down any beer and any judging, but beer shows exist. What Drink Easy Awards is trying to do is a better space and a permanent resource and better judging. And this is kind of the reasoning for it to exist. It's just about improving the breed of judging to make consumers a little bit better informed after a judging cycle and for consumers to have access to results that are coherent, interesting and dynamic and can kind of help people drink a bit better in general. But in terms of the actual nuts and bolts of judging beer, it's always going to be problematic. Um, 
freshness of product is always an inherent issue when judging beers. Uh, as you say, the batch brewing that sort of changes the beer product to suit the beer judging cycle is also an issue. But working to best practice, I think, is all we can do and try and exceed in terms of how the results are presented and try and give people a better scope of judges and a better platform in which the beers are judged to try and celebrate rather than denigrate. And I think all of these things just kind of put the Drink Easy Awards in a better position above all the other beer shows. And that's kind of what the general aim is here. So looking at the mechanics of the awards, we already know that Broadsheet is backing them. These things are very expensive to put on, obviously. How is the process being funded? Well, the process is being funded by entrance. So the actual entry fees help us fund the awards and fund judges. I mean, one of the other tenets of this judging uh, awards is that we pay judges, which has been a critical issue for me in wine show judging and then, of course, beer and spirit show judging follows suit. But I believe that a professional circuit of judges that are able to be paid puts more value on the judging circuit and also requires a little bit of tenacity in choosing best judges. Um, I believe people who are professionals in their industry and effectively consulting to an organisation that is profiting, i.e. at this stage has been the agricultural societies profiting from the activity of judges, uh, owe their consultants money. And I believe that paid judges is a fair way to go. Um, we are funding through sponsorship. So we're taking on corporate sponsors who are helpful in regards to being able to afford judges, accommodation locations. We have partnerships in um, broadsheets, broadcast of the activities pre, during and after the awards. Um, they've also been very diligent in their marketing of the awards by virtue of their location in terms of broadcast for uh, most stages of, of launch um, through to the details of how the judging works and then caricature around that. Uh, we're taking on partners in hospitality in terms of venue. So Mona Museum in Tasmania has come on board uh, as a partner helping with logistics, with venue and with some ancillary staff and stewards. Uh, we're taking on partnerships with hotels to be able to afford or help partly fund or help discount accommodation for judges who are traveling to judge in the awards. So basically it's a matrix of, of sponsorships that make sense and nothing that can prove conflict of interest. It's about, um, you know, creating a culture and community around these awards that actually then helps everyone and gives mutual benefit in all the relationships. Excellent. So I guess all we need now is the dates and how do, uh, how, how do brewers get involved? Well, the key dates are that the submissions close on September the 27th and the bottle and can deliveries are between October 7th and October 18th. The judging is October 22nd to 26th at Mona in Hobart, Tasmania. Um, and the awards ceremony itself is November 13th, 2019. Um, brewers can get involved by hitting the website drinkeasy.com.au. They can have a look through the entry guidelines and then through the categories. Um, basically, all you need to do is start entering stuff into the 
into the um, the back end of the Drink Easy website, which has been made super easy by the tech geeks who have been working alongside us on the website. Um, and of course, that um, an entry fee is applicable to all entries for this show. Uh, and then after that, to kind of keep aware that a lot of wine shows stop with the final ceremony. A lot of beer shows stop with the final ceremony. A lot of spirit shows stop with the final ceremony. The other commitment that we have is to continuing the culture that follows on from the Drink Easy Awards with events. So basically all year, while there's sort of dead space without judging, there's going to be events around the country that kind of celebrate the best of lists. So there'll be nights focused on beer. There'll be masterclasses on wine. There'll be dinners that are curated around the best of lists from spirits, etc. So it's the, 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 the people entering this awards are getting, I believe, a really good representation of their product if they are successful in the judging. Um, as I said, for me, this is all about doing a better job. And part of a better job was breathing life into awards that feel like they're archaic and have sort of got a finite term of reference. Um, so once people are kind of beyond the nuts and bolts of just entering stuff into the back into the website and the judging is done, there's more to come. I guess the last thing then is uh, how much do they cost? 95 bucks. 95 bucks per entry, obviously. Per entry, yep. So kind of in line with all the other beer, wine and spirits shows currently in market. Wonderful. Well, we'll uh, put a link in the show notes um, so any brewers who are interested uh, in having their beers judged and having their beers uh, put through a different set of uh, benchmarks can, uh, can enter as well. Yeah, look, it's been really refreshing speaking to a pile of brewers about these awards and just kind of the, the diversity that they represent. And I, and I think also to a lot of people, particularly small brewers experimenting. I mean, I live in the inner west of Sydney. I'm in ground zero for, uh, you know, diversity and array of smaller brewers. And speaking to so many, they're sort of grateful that there's an award that um, can kind of take on the, the breadth of product that's emerging in the marketplace and that also judges via not so much. I mean, you know, if a, if a product's faulty, it's faulty. That's a, that's a straight up no. But if there's products that don't sort of fit the groove, that there's a, there's, there's gatekeepers judging who understand where these products fit at the end of the day. And although brewers may have incredibly detailed technocratic knowledge about brewing and about fault in brewing, um, in the end, sometimes that's eschewed or ignored by not just consumer, but those selling beers in the marketplace because the product's interesting, diverse, exciting to them, or just straight up delicious. And I think that's kind of one of the nicest things is that there's a lot of brewers out there saying, thanks heaps, um, you're, kind of, you're kind of doing something that we all had hoped would happen one day, but hasn't happened before. So, you know, many thanks to the brewing community of Australia for all the righteous comments we've been getting. Well, Matt, I, uh, I can honestly say I can't think of an awards. I'm more looking forward to sampling the, uh, the, the, the results to, to sort of see how I go uh, personally putting my uh, taste buds against uh, what, what the judges come up with. Much obliged. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have you thinking about it, let alone talking about it on this very good show. Thank you. Terrific, Mike. Well, thank you very much for uh, uh, joining us today and I really look forward to the results and all the best uh, getting the first uh, Drink Easy Awards up and running. Much obliged. And that was Mike Benny. 
Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation.